Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And we're going to surprise you today with a very different Thought Leader Podcast. As you know, we search for interesting guests, and today we have a boomer for you. Very interesting, kind of a high-level guest at least i mean he's touched all kinds of people's lives who have touched everybody's life listening to this that's the amazing thing about you know the wonks behind the scenes the background musicians the the people who you've seen and didn't realize you've seen so today we're talking with freddie Ravel. freddie has worked with some of the biggest stars in the last 30 years and he's got a very interesting story to be told. So from, yeah, I don't, we don't want to reveal anything too big here, but, you know, from literally working with Madonna, uh, which he talks with us about, it's, it's really neat. That came up in conversation to, you know, improvising a, a pretty cool tune on the spot after some poking and prompting from Randy. Um, this is a great interview and it's quite long. Um, so do put this on and enjoy it and tell us what you think afterwards. So here we go. Here's our, our interview of Freddie Ravel. So it's for um, a podcast called Thought Leader Podcast. You are certainly a thought leader and we kind of interview slightly differently. So we'll probably ask you very slightly different questions than might be the standard ones. Um, for me, coming from a music background, I'll probably take that angle a little bit. And Randy's coming from um, business. He, he brought a company to Wall Street and that kind of stuff. So kind of taking that angle on things. And both of us have worked with a lot of speakers, not very many at the level of the folks that, that you're on stage with, but uh, a couple. So it's really just, it'd be really interesting to hear kind of a couple of stories and some of your experience and the inspiration for kind of younger folks wanting to know where to go next. Wonderful, wonderful. And Randy, can you tell me a bit about you? Yeah, I, I'm a 40-year business geek. Um, yeah, so I took a company to Wall Street back at the turn of the century. Um, now I'm working with Kent and we, we really want to help either startups or experts to actually get some visibility, get some presence in the world, let their voices be heard. So we create programs to do that. Wonderful. So, so you're built around the desire to help startups get out there in the world. Yeah, and, or, and, and, what and experts. Service, what service or products do you offer that help that? So, you know, what's the reason for doing this podcast on the business side? Um, at this stage, one of the things where we're searching to help people with, we're seeking to help people with, is reputation capital. In the current age, particularly post-COVID, people buy from people they know. And too many executives have not created their own visibility and their own reputation capital. They've relied on the product or the company 
to to do that. And we believe very strongly that the executives can can up level themselves and become visible with their own opinions, their own thought leadership, and that in turn will create bigger exits and bigger valuations for the stockholders. I see. So so part of part of the goal for you guys, if I understand correctly, is to kind of share more the authenticity piece, mm-hmm. right? Of mm-hmm. the of the people that so if so and so has had a, a company for 25 years selling shoes. Right. And, and all of a sudden we find out, well, the guy's name is Byron Thompson and Byron is the captain of a soccer team. And he, he has three kids. And the reason he's into shoes is because he cares about the health and right. All that stuff. Right. right. The story behind the story. And at at 12 years, at 12 years old, Byron had to cut a little hole out of his shoe because his, his second toe was too long or something. Yeah. Got it, right? That little twist that makes, that gives the story the depth and the right. right. And then wrap, wrap that around the authenticity of the individual, not the branding of the company. Okay. Okay. Now, this, now, 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 I'm, now I'm really understanding, which is good because I, I believe in my heart that uh, everyone you meet is, is a potentially new friend. Uh, I, I begin, I default like that. I give people the benefit of the, of the doubt every time. And, uh, and, it, and it seems to work because the bottom line is the vast majority of people do want to see success and create win-wins. Almost, I'd say 98%. There's a few bad apples out there, but for the most part, I, I'm a real believer in creating win-win in everything we do and make every second minute count. And I'm excited to meet Kent and Randy, both of you. And, uh, in a nutshell, my, my purpose is raising human potential through music. That's that. it. There is a secondary piece, and that is to kind of burst the myth that music is all about entertainment. That's the second one. Because music is so aligned with such a deeply emotional piece for just about every human being you'll meet, it tends to take over the dopamine and the endorphins of every human being to such a point where they can't think of music beyond how it makes them feel for its emotional value. What my company did, Life in Tune, is we broke apart the structure of music to create a human profiling system based on melody, harmony, rhythm. And by doing that. that, it's allowed us to infiltrate in the most beautiful way. Fortune 500 companies around the world, 84 countries so far that we've, presented in and working with everyone from, you know, private entrepreneurs all the way up to IBM and Google and Red Bull and people like that. So, and so there's a parallel here, Randy, with what you said, and that is, I'm all about finding the the story, the authenticity, the 12 year old Mm -hmm. purpose for carving out the hole in the shoe of everybody. I'm interested in finding that out. And that is the melody of people, that unique personal twist that makes them stand out. That's the melody, because the melody is leadership. And, we'll, and, and harmony is collaboration, and, and rhythm is timing. And based on uh, the personal empowerment of melody, the team effort of harmony, and timing, those three things 
are the basis for the way I go in and work with companies around the world. And so I call this whole thing Life in Tune. We've been doing it for two decades. Um, there's a book that's coming. We're building. Uh, we hope to. We hope to license this across the world. It's a copywritten methodology. There's a lot of things going on with it now. With doing a lot in spaces like healthcare, especially in a post-COVID world, it turns out that listening skills is the most important thing that healthcare workers could possibly have. You know, they could get all this training. You know, everyone could know. Everyone could have the book on the training and knowledge you have to have. But it turns out that if you're an extraordinary listener, you're probably going to be at the front of the line in terms of how you can serve patients and people and help the world get through the crises, the multiple crises we are in right now. So I love, I love if, if we were to start right there, uh, Freddie, and kind of dive in on listening. <laughs> Because I, I think even, you know, you've worked with some of the greats um, in music and in speaking. Some of them have had some trouble with listening to their own partners in life and their own partners in business, right? Just like all of us. And it's amazing kind of as we get older, as we grow, as businesses scale, how much, and Randy's told me a bunch about this as, you know, as businesses scale and get huge, communication is the thing and listening is the key to that. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And we can definitely start there. And Randy, you know, it, it turns out that the more you, if you can lean in, there's a balance between business and how deep you lean in, right? You, there's a sort of a, a line that you can't cross. But if you can cross a bit of it and touch people, you're looking for harmony. You're looking for the way things line up and no one's talking about big jazz chords with harmony. We're talking about open fifths uh, to, to speak in Kent, Kent's language for a second, right? Open fifths, maybe you put a major or a minor chord in there for, for richness, but we're not looking for something that sounds like, you know, 12 tone music. We're looking for something that sounds like, we're just looking for, even the basics, we're looking for twinkle, twinkle, little star. If we can just get that figured out between people, you know, and I mean, the way we teach the English language is Mozart, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's Mozart. And so, uh, but a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people think music is just for entertainment, but music is actually a multitasking power tool for life. So, and that's, that's the mission we're on. So I, I say this up front because I would like if we can kind of shape the interview in this direction and it comes out really relevant for my team, just like, and it comes out really relevant for your goals, then we got something that can go viral and we could really get it out there. And I'll tell you what our goal is at the moment. We're, we're, di we're digging deep into LinkedIn, my team and I, because we've been getting engagements through LinkedIn big ones mm -hmm. and they're significant and the old speakers bureau model is still is still there still have the boutiques and mm -hmm. i and i i mean i just got booked uh, for a big engagement in hawaii in october that came through a bureau in canada and i work with bureaus from all around the world but my point is is that linkedin because it's vibrant that's how we met we wouldn't have this interview mm -hmm. if it wasn't for linkedin but LinkedIn has turned out to be 
instead of just the social piece, it turned out to be a business enterprise for my oh, team. Absolutely. Right? So we're, we're, we're looking, we're learning, by the way. We're swimming like everyone else. But what we do have that we hope is unique is I'm not sure if there's anybody else out there with the background that my team and I come from and that I've been leading with, <laughs> with all the different people I've worked with. I think someone said it to, to me this way. They said, Freddie, you might be the only leader of a company that has worked with Walmart, NASA, and Madonna in, the, in one sentence, you know, and Prince. <laughs> so, so it's a very, um, we have this very unique kind of niche that is a bridge between entrepreneurship, Fortune 100 companies, and Grammy-level iconic people. So our goal is to find a way to capitalize on that, but leading with service to the client. And, the, and the, the challenge for us is that when you drop the name Madonna and Prince and Santana and IBM and NASA in the opening sentence, people go, God, what do I do with that? It's almost a, like, I don't know how that helps what we do. You know? So we're yeah. trying. We need to like putting, see what I mean? It's like putting mushrooms and strawberries in a salad. It, it works. It's just a little much. It's a little much. And people yeah. get overwhelmed with it. Yeah. So, so we're looking, so that's why the name of the company has evolved to Life in Tune. I love that. Right? Because Life in Tune is this gentle way for us to step into paradigm of what it is. And it, it also states our purpose. And by using the term in tune, we are saying this is not just music. And this is to speak to your background, Kent. This is science. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this is the overtone series. That's what I say about a uh, 12-tone music, which I, I love in a different way, but the second it hits the air, doesn't matter how intellectual it is, the second it hits the air, it's got an overtone series. <laughs> you know, second yeah. time, second it gets in your ear, right? it's all harmonic, yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, well, I think we understand each other, gentlemen, and I'm happy. Yeah. And, and our, what we're about to do is we just got uh, LinkedIn Live has given us the permission to, uh, we've gotten approved for LinkedIn Live. And you'll notice that we have, uh, we have about 7,800 approximately full followers, which is not much, but that's what we have. But mostly quality people, which Mm -hmm. is a little more, probably more quality than quantity. But we Mm -hmm. also have, we just opened up a page for Life in Tune, like a month ago months ago i think there's 20 followers because we just we haven't done anything with it yet we just wanted to get a parking space will only so we'll see life in tune and so there's a lot of there's a lot of space to grow there i mean that's we can chat after the interview but that's the the space that we occupy all the time my my connections i'm sure we have a million in common but the the entire speaker, trainer, coach development world is on LinkedIn. And like you were saying, 99% of them aren't using it very well. Um, right. Great. I would appreciate that, Kent. And so as we build today, my goal is to make sure we contribute and give you guys the value and the stickiness so that we, we create something so compelling that maybe hopefully we get a lot of a, a, a lot of likes and posts and, and interaction because of what we create together. 
and collaborate in this collaboration right now. And, Great. you know, because basically for me, my biggest goal is, and I'm just going to say it, I want to teach namaste consciousness through the power of music. The light in me recognizes and honors the light in me. And I, and I don't say that at all in the company because if I speak in that language, businesses will go, wait a second. That's like, why right, Randy, the Wall Street people will go, whoa. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. But I, I, in, in just our 15 minutes on, on this call, gentlemen, I just feel like I want to cut to the chase and tell you from my heart. I think the world is in such a funk right now, largely because of miscommunication. And music, most people never think of music like this, but music has the tools inside of it to help people be better at listening, communicating, responding, building companies, building enterprises. And um, when you think of basic exercises like timing, tempo, groove, dialogue between call and response, dun, 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 response, dun, 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 right? I go everywhere in the world and I say stuff like that and I go, hey, everybody, I mean, I'm in China, I'm in Macau, and I go, Hey, if I say dun, 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 you say, and 2,000 people from about 30 countries all say dun, 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 and I've been on stage for one minute. Come on, man. Music. It, yeah. it is so intuitive and ingrained in who we are. It's like insane. And yet, everyone thinks it's about Pandora, iTunes, and Spotify. So like, it's like all the buffalo are at the watering hole. 99% of humanity is all like squeezing in to chase pop songs when the larger application of music is sitting there for people all around the world from every single culture to interface. So my goal is to create maybe even a, an AI version of Life in Tune that teaches these principles so that we can, you know, ignite the world to become far more harmonic, more in sync, more collaborative, and to Randy's point, and to your point, Kent, personalized authenticity leading. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's where I think there's a lot of, uh, perhaps a ton of synergy. Yeah. What we, uh, we, we see a lot of people becoming or presenting themselves to the world in the way they think their clients or their customers want to see them. And we want to stop that. We want people to become authentically themselves. And if people don't like their opinions or don't like what they have to say, that becomes a discussion. That's, uh, but it's important that people retain the real them, the, the person that their children know, the person their partner knows, the, you know, um, not the person they think somebody else should be seeing. Yeah. So if I were to say, so Freddie, if we start from the point that you would like to start from, we are very good improvisers when it comes to this. We use an emergent approach versus a here's the structure approach, as you're already kind of seeing. So if you want to drive a little bit and say, okay, here's the thing, and you want to play a little and talk a little, uh, we're happy to kind of fit into that and ask you difficult questions in the mix if that's, if that's a format you want to try. I am uh, 
I, I, I am uh, here to serve your vision and I'm here to uh, give, give the best I can possibly get to this moment. And, and, and since you guys uh, called me, I'm, I'm here to get your direction. And then once we go, it's jazz. We'll dive in. Perfect. <laughs> so let's start. If I could start with this, um, let's get the name dropping and uh, all of that fun stuff out of the way because it is important. It's important to to draw some interest, draw, you know, so I've had fringe interactions with a few stars from my music days, but I, friends and, and whatever have traveled with all the stars, right? Not all of them, but the, 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 they've, they've played bass, they've played the trombone, they've played the drums with the great stars and traveled with them. So a lot of that, a lot of that blush, a lot of that sort of stars in the eyes stuff is a little foreign to me. I love getting to know who the people are at their core and what made them tick. So, I mean, if you were to compare Tony Robbins to Prince to Madonna to way back in your early days when maybe you had some more stars in your eyes in your first you know, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire or some of the early opportunities you had, what are your thoughts on celebrity, on the stars in the eyes, on who you've known through the years and all of that, if you put it in one sack and kind of shake it all up, uh, what's the magic? Well, thank you, Ken. And, and uh, I've been, it, it is true that I, I've been really fortunate because I've, I've been able to, the people that I grew up listening to music to when I was throwing newspapers and, and uh, doing my early work as an entrepreneur when I was nine years old to when I got, you know, it's a whole other story about what happened to me in my early childhood with listening skills, which we can go into later. But working with those celebrities to answer your questions, the thing that when I shake it up in a bag, it's the humbleness and the grace that matter the most. And when I worked with Madonna, for example, she was pregnant with her first child. We were filming the movie Evita. She was... Uh, we had to film her behind the piano because her belly was getting pretty big. And the director had her put her elbows and the song is called You Must Love Me. And you can Google that on YouTube and you'll see me playing the piano and she's there leaning this way. And because she's about to have a baby, her skin and her face is as beautiful as it's ever been in her entire career. Because we all know that when a woman is about to give birth, they're just bursting with beauty. I mean, so I met her at that moment in her career, which was pretty privileged. And we ended up spending one-on-one -on -one time together all day in a studio in Los Angeles, talking about Billy Strayhorn, who was the arranger for Duke Ellington. She was reading a book called Lush Life, which was a composition that Billy Strayhorn wrote. And so I'm, I'm giving you some detail about the weeds of which came out, but the authenticity of it, that, by the way, that was 1997. Madonna was officially the queen of pop in that year, in that decade. And uh, she was pretty much where Lady Gaga is today. Maybe, you know, she was huge. And, and so having that intimacy with her uh, shaped what I ended up doing for her. Um, Billy Strayhorn, the, the singular genius 
of Ellington's magic, right? That's did did that that threw down a gauntlet a little bit for you. <laughs> I, exactly, it made me made me want to take. I mean, this is a whole story about Madonna, and I I, I don't know how far you want to go, but I'll get, I'll go quick. The quick story is, uh, I came in to play keyboards. She wanted me to do three songs: "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina," but not not the Andrew Lloyd Webber, not the slow version, but but an up tempo four on the floor disco version and another song called Buenos Aires and another song called You Must Love Me, which is also an Andrew Lloyd Webber comp composition. And uh, I came in with, uh, I did my, you know, I did my homework and there was at that time, the dance music of Madonna was, was a lot of synthesizers and they were doing things like one, two, three, four, dun, 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 dun. That kind of stuff. And so I came in with a lot of percussive, staccato, jabbing of synth chords that I heard in all her music. I had all my synths lined up. I would I came in with five keyboards. My technician rolled it into the studio. We're at Larrabee Studios in North Hollywood at LA on Lancashire, which is pretty much ground zero for some of the biggest hits in the music business. And I'm like, I'm going in. It's Madonna. Pulling out all the stops. Came in with all my gear, all my stuff. I was at that time I was the musical director for Earth, Wind and Fire. I had just worked, I just did some albums with them. I mean, I was coming in guns loaded, right? We take a break. I had all my stuff. I played some elements and we went outside and she said, Freddie, have you ever heard of this book called Lush Life? And she laid out Lush Life. And I'm like, like my jaws on the floor. And it's just her and I in a lounge room, on a couch, on a sofa, with her showing me Lush Life. Then she goes, this is really good. Then she changes gears and goes, did you ever hear of Kachow? Now, Kachow's the bass player from Cuba. I know him very well. I grew up playing bass, so yeah. Oh, well, the you best. know. Yeah. So he's the guy who wrote one, two, three. Da-dum-dum-dum. 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 And what goes against that is mambo, 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 mambo. So I knew the music. My mother's from Colombia, South America. I grew up on salsa music. But I wasn't prepared for Madonna to ask me that question. As soon as she asked me that question, we took... Uh, don't cry for me or Argentina, which goes, you know, everyone knows that it goes. Everyone knows that. Like that, right? But she, but what she wanted was, uh, um, was um, a fast tempo. Of but she also wanted Chow, which was that kind of stuff, which ended up with two hands. That kind of thing. So that was where she was at. She was into this don't cry for me. And and because we went out into the lounge and she showed me Billy Strayhorn. 
when Dr. Bakachow, the entire recording session went in a completely different place. And it was so successful that they called me back to do Buenos Aires. And that was so successful that they called me back to do the video. Uh, and the video was very important because here I am playing at the Hollywood Bowl with Al Jarreau and playing with Earth, Wind & Fire. And all of a sudden I got on the Madonna video with, with just Madonna and I and a, and, a, and a gal playing the cello, just three people. And back then in the music business, that was like, <laughs> it was like hitting a grand slam, you know. But it was, it was, it was pivotal in the way I kind of got established in the music scene in Los Angeles. It all came from, in a way, it all came from just listening to her, which not that many people, knowing, knowing some stars, people really don't listen to them in, in an honest kind of one-on-one -on -one way. Yeah, you have to really, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I, 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 was, I understood what she was saying. And I, I, I realized that she wanted something brutally authentic. She did not want all the stuff I had brought into the studio that I thought she wanted, never touched it. It all went to that salsa piano, cachao conversation. And it also made me realize how astute and how knowledgeable Madonna was. I wasn't ready for her to talk about something so inside of Latin culture. That's, a, that's like inner, inner knowledge to talk about music on that level. And it just happened to be an area that I know because there's a ton of music I don't know at all, but I do know the Latin sound pretty well. I've spent a lot of time in that. So, yeah. So with Life in Tune, I mean, you talk about harmony, you talk about melody, you talk about corporations in the same breath as you talk about music, which is uh, uh, remarkable and amazing. What's the what's the direct tie-in from I don't know Madonna through Tony Robbins straight into uh, I guess Elon Musk's playbook. Well, every everybody you just mentioned are icons. They all they all can stand on the world stage and do stand on the world stage, and they say something and the stock market changes or the. Or, you know, Elon Musk makes a statement about cryptocurrency and everything goes crazy. Or, or Tony Robbins talks about, you know, facing your greatest fears and the whole human potential industry studies it. Or Madonna puts out a, a, another greatest hits or puts out another new piece and the entire industry watches what she did because she's the roots that influence the next generation of the Lady Gagas and the... Taylor Swift and the Adele's and the Bruno Mars, right? So everybody you mentioned are giant icons that shift the markets of their respective businesses. So their melody, Elon Musk's melody, and I put that in quotes, Tony Robbins' melody, Madonna's melody, all are highly respected and listened to and observed because they have a long history of being people that are tastemakers that shape cultural moments, all of them. Understanding where they come from uh, helps an entrepreneur like the people listening to this podcast, I, I hope, see that their words and their, and their connection to who they are and what they stand for, as, as you and uh, Kent and Randy and I discussed, how vital it is that 
entrepreneurs come from their true belief. When Elon Musk was sleeping at Tesla, when they were trying to ramp up production, he was spending the night at Tesla, or, you know, sleeping four hours a night. I think those of us in the entrepreneurial com- uh, community were watching that with a sense of, yeah, that's what it takes when you're, when you're the guy who's, who's got SpaceX, Tesla, Solar City, you're trying to get to Mars and you're trying to build cars that will not use up all the energy on the planet, right? Wow. So, so I, I, think, I think they're all, uh, and by the way, they're all bridge. The, the, all three of those people are not, you can't just peg them into one particular niche, right? You, you know, arguably Madonna is, is, you know, probably has, has created greater breakthroughs for women than the vast majority of women ever have. Just, just her sheer ability to punch through culture, right? Tony Robbins is pretty much bridged psychology, psychotherapy, mental illness, you know, the power of the tribe, awaken the giant within, all those things that he represents. He's probably been one of absolutely the, probably the top leader in human potential. I, I think, I think we're in a, I think there's much more evolution and a much bigger places to go, but he set a good, he set a great bar. And, and I know Tony and he's amazing. Everyone agrees with his power and his ability. And then you have Elon, which I think is probably absolutely in the top five entrepreneurs on our planet right now. So I had the good fortune to work with Elon back in, must have been around 2005, 2006. The company I was working for at the time managed to win the contract to test his first rocket engine for SpaceX. Uh-huh. And so we built the test stand. We tested his first rocket engine. Um, I was the CFO of that company, and I was involved in negotiating with Elon's team about the price of the contract. And I distinctly remember Elon sitting in the room one day saying, why are you using stainless steel screws instead of something else? Because stainless steel screws cost $1.14 each, and the other alternative cost $0.97 each. He was worried about $0.17 on a $250,000 project. Now, why was he worried about that? Well, because it was a cost-plus contract. So it wasn't $0.17, it was $0.25. And when you multiply that by the hundreds of screws that were on there, and you multiply that by everything else we put on the test stand, it grew into bigger numbers, and he was really in startup phase at the time. It was just his first engine. But the thing that struck me, he, just like you described about Madonna, he was a detailed person. He got down, gets down into the, into the deep thinking from an entrepreneurial point of view. He doesn't let those decisions just happen around him. Just like Madonna knew the culture really, really well. She didn't let those decisions happen around her. And I think we often mistake that as being ego, and I don't know that that's what it is. I think it's interesting that you talk melody. So is it ego? Is it melody? Is it just that they know what's right? Uh, what, what is going on with, with these people who are hugely successful? So ego is an interesting word. There's kind of two sides to the coin, right? You know, you guys know the story. You know, if, a plane, if you're on an airplane and it's about to crash land, 
and the oxygen mask drops down, the protocol is to put the mask on you first. And if it's your kid next to you, they go second. Save your butt so you don't die. Otherwise, both people die, right? That's the, right. That's the idea. The other idea is, is, is one of the mantras of human potential, and one of the mantras of life is know thyself, right? Know thyself. So, and the concept there is, how can you possibly get out of bed and serve the world with your products, your services, your intention, unless you know who you are, unless you can look in the mirror and honestly say, here's who I am, here's how I want to show up, Here's how I want, ideally, how to contribute. Because I believe that when you come to any, any table with the desire to contribute, all kinds of beautiful things open up that you didn't even know about. And you, all of a sudden, you, I, I like to say that one plus one doesn't equal two. I like to say one plus one, you know, you put them next to each other and it equals 11. One plus one equals 11 because the synergy you know, there's three of us on this call, right? The, the potential synergy of all of us, there's over 100 years of life experience on this call right now. And well over 100 years of life experience. So the, the potential for what the, collecti the collectivity can bring is very big. So I think ego is know who you are, know thyself, and, and make that your priority. Everyone is so busy. Let me serve. Let me serve. Let me serve. Let me serve. I'm going to save the world. I want peace on the world. I want to stop climate change. I want to, mm. I want to build a flying car. You know, there's like all these dreams. But if they are, you know, we know stories. All of us know stories of people that they're so busy taking care of other people that they have a drug addiction, that they're drinking too much, that they're, mm. they're, they have all kinds of crazy problems. They're divorced for the fourth time. You know, that kind of stuff. You see them in this revolving door of not taking care of themselves. And I think the melody, knowing, you know, if you know that your melody is right, right, you know, the harmonies that are around you, even if they're in a, even if the world is in a different key, you know. terrible right but if you're still singing your melody you can affect the world to kind of get to where you are right and so the thing you know do you, are you able to stay calm in the storm and i have i think that the melody is incredibly important the ego some people say ego means edging God out, uh, E-G-O, because mm. you're, you're not allowing to hear everything. You're just self-centered. I don't mean ego as self-centered. I mean ego as take care of yourself. Know who you are. Be clear on your intentions. And then, you can find, and then listen deeply to the other people and what their intentions are and what their goals are. And, and that allows harmony to take place. So you're, so you've been, I mean, I know, I know life, life as a bass player and you know, life as a, as a backup musician, as well as a front man, the incredible skill of backup musicians 
is that they are able to tuck inside of someone else's melody because so so what i think is really interesting about what you're talking about ego is the the counter melodies or the supporting melodies or the subsumed egos of the bass player and the drummer and the the trombonist and all the and the pianist they also have these melodies but they're they're harmonizing with one another like you were with uh, madonna in a way right how do you stay behind her yeah well, that's the other thing. It's that you, you always have to, you, you, you come to the table with the attitude of, am I going to be the drummer? Am I going to be the harmonizer? Am I going to be a counter melody? So if I'm playing with Carlos Santana and we're playing, Oye, como va, da, da, and he starts playing, do, 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 do. And he starts playing killer guitar. And then he looks at me. And he goes, come on, man. You know, and then I go to the Hammond B3 and I start screaming on the organ. My goal is to match his energy and to, to rise to a level that matches where he's at. Right. And um, that would be a harmonic convergence, if you will. Right. But he may just look at me and go, hey, uh, support me. There are a couple of things about Carlos where he wants me to compliment him. We call it comping in jazz. It's called comp. It's short for compliment. Or he wants me to match it, call and response, right? So one moment, I better be at the, at the level of Santana with the spotlight on me and be able to match his energy, right? There's, there's that. It's, it's ninja, ninja warrior. That's what that is. The next level is, nope. He needs me to be in the background, right? I mean, with Carlos, sometimes it might be just like, uh, that might be it. Or it might be, or he might look at me and go, one of his favorite ones were, me to do that all day long because he wants a he wants uh latin music that's called a monotone like the word monotonous but it doesn't mean monotonous it means hypnotic and the goal in latin music for the, especially for the piano player a lot of people don't know this but the piano is like the drummer of salsa music the harmonic drummer there is no drum set in salsa music there's bongas clave you know uh different you know, percussion instruments, but not drums. They, they, drums are later, but traditional salsa music, no drums. So the piano player is sitting there all day long going, and the piano player is the architect of the foundation of all the stuff that happens over it. That's why salsa piano is so unique in terms of what piano players do. So in a relationship, in corporate or in life, things change all the time. So... A friend of mine uh, talks about uh, playing with Carl Santa Santana for an audience of two million in Rome, right? Versus playing with someone else in front of a small room in, I don't know, wherever else. And he's a percussionist. 
But like the, the difference in feeling is massive, totally different in every situation, which a jazz musician, which, you know, jazz or Latin or all, you know, improvisers are used to. So bringing this into the, the corporate space, which I know a lot of your work is with business and with teams and so forth, a piano player is not just a piano player because if, oh, you're the percussionist in this group, but in another group, maybe you are sort of the melodic, melismatic kind of a character. How does music go into a corporate space in, in your work, in your, your company's work? There's a lot of ways to do it, but if we hang our hat on the life and tune methodology of melody, harmony, and rhythm, right? We kind of hang in that space. I use the melody to talk about the CEO. The melody is the leader of, I mean, when Howard Schultz of Starbucks says, pour your heart into it, right? That's kind of his mantra, you know? That's kind of where he likes to, to like talk about the brand, right? Pour your heart, like pour a cup of coffee, right? That's been his thing for what? 30 years, 25, 30 years, right? But that's his melody. And that ends up being, that kind of permeates a Starbucks mentality because it's coming from the top down, right? Right? Harmony is going to be the team, you know? Just to put it in Starbucks language, a bunch of people wearing white shirts with green aprons, baristas. What do you have? Is that a double? You want almond in your latte? Is that going to be a, a grande? Is that going to be, you know, all that language of Starbucks? That's harmony. That's the community. That's the culture, Right? The other thing is rhythm. Rhythm is timing. So if you know that you're going to pull into a Starbucks, go in there, and you're going to be able to get a little uh, breakfast sandwich and get a large latte and be in and out of there in six minutes, and it's going to taste good and make your morning better, millions of people do it every day and drop $7 on a latte with tax. <laughs> and it turns into a probably the one most successful enterprises on the planet, right? That's melody, pour your heart into it. Harmony, the community. Rhythm, consumer confidence that they're going to go in and go out in six minutes, right? What do we talk about? Leadership, melody, collaboration, rhythm, timing. And that's where music and human organizations intersect. And the glue that connects the actions of those three things, melody plus harmony plus rhythm, the plus sign is listening. If there's no listening, if there's no, if that, if Howard Schultz is out there saying, pour your heart into it, and nobody else in the company knows about that, we got a problem. If the team, the harmony team is building this incredible tribe, but they have no idea what the head of the organization is doing, Distrust and animosity builds up and people leave. That's a problem. So melody and harmony have to work together. Celine Dion's the melody. Someone's playing the piano. They have to be in sync. But what keeps it all together is the drummer. The drummer has to keep the time. And even if, the har even if you have the greatest piano player in the world playing harmony and Celine Dion, this great singer, singing the melody, right? And the drummer keeps rushing. It kills the entire thing. And so uh, people need to also understand that, you know, we have a saying in the world, everyone knows it, timing is 
everything. And what that means to me is that you could have the greatest leader in the world, CEO, you could have a great culture, a team that's leading them. But if your timing is wrong, timing in the marketplace, timing of your products, timing of your services, it, it all falls. And that's why I think in a very, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit oversimplistic, but 80% of all small businesses fail, right? And that's because usually there's a great melody. Usually the CEO is impassioned, no problem with that, but maybe they're not completely clear on their authenticity to speak to your point, Randy. And maybe there's a great team. They've built a nice culture, but they have the raw, the timing is wrong for the product or they weren't able to get the money. By the way, money and timing are very related. Money and rhythm are very related. And that's a whole other story about the way those are related. But money and rhythm are probably more related than money and melody or money and harmony. It's rhythm. I, I like that a great deal. Too many businesses, whether they're either startups or, or more established, may have a great product that they bring to market too late. They have a great product that they bring to market too soon. So I agree with all the timing. But... I think there's something more, and that's kind of like education, for want of a better word. And I, I know, Freddie, you've got some thoughts about how music is far more than just entertainment, and I'd like to hear some of those thoughts. Sure. Well, first of all, Randy and Kent, you and I are sitting here, and we've got a heartbeat inside of each of us. And as we sit here, there's a drummer internally that we have no choice. Our heart's going to beat no matter what no matter what we think, it's beating. And um, it is. it was with us since we were in the womb of our mother, and it's gonna be with us until the day we die. And that's this internal drama. So by, I think by default, human beings really are, you know, part of being a living being is having rhythm inside of you. So that's, so music is, since rhythm is such a key component to music, and the fact that we have a heartbeat, I think that's a very important aspect that takes us beyond entertainment right out the gate. Just right out the gate, let's start like that, right? Another thing to think about is that music accompanies us from the cradle to the grave. You're, you're born, right? The, 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 moment, the, the moment someone enters the world, it's like... I mean, the vast majority of us grow up with that. Then we get a little bit older and it's like. Right? It's a bit spider, right? And I've been in front of, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'll get in front of like IBM in, in uh, places like uh, Spain, Madrid. I remember and I would just say, I look at everybody and I go, La araña grande tota subió, subió. Then I say, usa sus manos, use your hands. And all of a sudden, 7,000 people at IBM are going, it's a bit, they're using their hands, executives. Don't tell me music is not, it's just entertainment. When you can touch people on such a visceral level, right? And, and it goes on and on. I mean, when I talk about music from the cradle to the grave, I'm also referring to things like, uh, you know, weddings. <laughs> Right? 
And I'm and, and I, we could even talk about the uh, anniversaries. You know, people celebrate the years that go by in their marriage. Right? There's songs for that. And then there's also, you know, not much I can do about it, but it happens, right? <laughs> I mean, music is there for even when we die, right? But then music is even, the good news is music's even there for resurrection. <laughs> Music is with us from the cradle to the grave and beyond. So it's not just entertainment. It's actually marking all the various passages of life through our family, through the people we love, and even through the challenges of life. I mean, love is one of the, the juiciest topics of music. The vast majority of songs have been written about love and love lost and wandering love and elusive love, and beautiful, gorgeous, divine love, all the way to stuff that is like, you broke my heart, you left me and my dog and everything, you know? You, we, got, we got music for everything about the emotions of the human experience. So, to call it something that's just entertainment is like missing 95% of the rest of what music could we know that it helps people with Alzheimer's. We know that it helps babies develop in the womb. We know that it's used for music therapy to help people deal with the emotional and mental stresses of our planet. In fact, the beauty and the opportunity, uh, Kent and Randy, is that right now, this generation, the younger people, the millennials, the Gen Zs, like my daughter, they are more wired up to music than any other generation that we've seen. They consume more music than anybody else, largely because of the technology. But we now have the, they're wiring their brain. This new generation is wiring their brain so that they can, you know, listen to music, write a term paper and cook dinner all at the same time. And that's, and they live inside of that reality. And most of them can't imagine taking off their headphones and not having music. That's how important music is. So you can't just say it's entertainment. It, it, it's it's literally driving productivity around the planet every second. So if I if I dive in there, uh, Freddie, and talk about so my my favorite music and a lot of what you just played hinges around dissonance. Dissonance is where the beauty happens. And actually, earlier on when you played um, <laughs> the kind of dissonant harmony with the simple melody. I love that stuff. That's like the Samuel Barber story where his dad used to run the two bands <laughs> across the middle of town. I love that aleatory kind of weird stuff. But let me go a, a step further beyond dissonance and ask you about the wrenches because some of the jazz greats and all kinds of greats, when there is a mistake, even even like Rostropovich and, and, and the classical greats, of history, when there's a mistake, it becomes actually a feature and a focal point. When the mistake happens, it's like the 
the band comes together or the performance starts to get intense because of what that sort of initiated. So I'm curious as to kind of bring in the mistakes and the dissonance and all of that and how that fits into the melody and your whole structure. Okay. Uh, what, what comes to me right away, uh, especially because of your background, Kent, because, uh, you know, I, I do interviews all over the world and nobody has ever brought up Samuel Barber in an interview. And, and what you're talking about is that um, everybody out there, uh, just to elaborate on what Kent's talking about, if you've ever been to a parade and you're standing on the street and one orchestra goes by, they're playing. And as they're disappearing into the distance, there's another band going, playing Darth Vader or something. Right, but the other band's playing Stars and Stripes Forever, right? And you're standing there, and, and there's a moment where the left side of you is hearing Darth Vader, and the other side of you is hearing John Philip Sousa. And Kent is saying that how delicious that is. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's the buzz. There's a buzz. Yeah. Yeah, and so I like to call that the crack between two worlds. And there is a beauty, I agree with you, that life is so fascinating. It's so fascinating to be alive and to be able to go, wow, I'm standing between two cosmic universes of sound. And that's kind of what that delicious feeling is. So here's what comes to me. And thank God we have loop back and, the, and we have a, you know, one of the things COVID did for me was when I realized I couldn't get out and speak, I had this desk built for me so that I can stand up and talk to you because I'm standing. And I had them, I had the people who designed this, I, it's a nine foot desk, it's huge, but I, it has a built-in piano in it so that I can talk to you and pull out a keyboard. But when I think about dissonance, if you take a, a clash like this, minor second, we call this in music. By itself, it's kind of nasty. But if I go, resolve it and then I make a pattern out of it and if I went We've taken something that by itself, kind of nasty, but resolving it, it becomes amazing. And then of course you can elaborate that and go. And now you've got something where you just put sting on the top of that and you're done right you know it reminds me of a sting song uh, or a police song that that approach right but it's it's that idea that dissonance in music can be illustrated in so many ways if if, if you if, if i play a, a chord like a c chord it could sound pure and harmonic but if i change the bass line and I play, if, if I play this in the bass, everyone's happy, children playing at the sandbox, everyone at the swing set. 
But if I play, if I change my left hand one half step, go up a half step, it sounds like this. Uh-oh. Someone's at the sandbox that has bad intentions. Something bad's about to happen, right? What did I do? I just changed one note. And in business, you could have partners. Everyone enjoys each other, but there's one person that just feels... I can't put my finger on it, Sally, but that, that guy who came in from the bank, I don't know that, right? We all have those feelings, you know, all of us at different points in our lives in business or, or in life. We know that something's off. We can't put our finger on it. That's that un- unexpected. You have this harmonious thing going on and boom, something crashes the party. Music can illustrate human organization and human emotions instantly. What other art form allows us to talk about the complexity of life with the elegant simplicity of music? And that's why I feel music cannot just be entertainment. That's why music needs to be brought into the conversation. And that's how it gets us faster to a life in tune. And the goal with a life in tune means you understand where your melody, harmony, and rhythm is. And you stand like the conductor and you're able to hold the baton and feel listen, observe, and understand what role you need to take at any given moment in life. Sometimes, like in this conversation, right now I'm, I'm kind of wearing the melody hat. When I shut up and you ask questions, Kent, you've taken over as the conductor. And really, I'm, I'm like the guest soloist of this orchestra. I come in and I'm just playing solos and I'm improvising, but you, Kent, and you, Randy, are the dual conductors. And my job is to be responsive and try to answer questions. So everything in life is this dance between melody, harmony, and rhythm, and who wears the conductor's hat, and at what time we need to step back and just be listening and observing. So that's a great opportunity for me to to jump in, because right now, Freddie, I would like to hand that conductor's hat over to you. And I would like for you to... Give me your thoughts on what the future looks like for your daughter. If you can do that musically, that would be awesome. Wow. I just spoke to my daughter an hour ago. She's in Mexico. She's coming home. I'll probably be picking her up at the airport tonight. Uh, She's going to be 19 years old. She is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I have a beautiful daughter and I have a son who's 15. So, um, what kind of world could happen for them? But before I even begin to think about it musically, I think about the challenges they face. You know, I don't know what part of the world you gentlemen are in right now. I'm in Los Angeles, just a thousand miles to the north of me, Seattle, Vancouver, uh, Portland, Oregon. I mean, there's a spot in, in Canada, north of the a US border, uh, north of Vancouver, where it was 118 degrees yesterday. That's never, ever happened. That's unbelievable. So we know, you know, we know that there's this tremendous challenge with climate, which is going to affect the way our race, the human race survives. There is also a tremendous misunderstanding in the governmental, political aspects of life at the moment, I think for much of the world. And I, and I speak to everybody. I speak to the red, white, blue, green, yellow, red of the world. I don't speak with any bias to any, any side. 
one of the things that I feel music does is it allows us to play the neutral card. It allows us to um, speak about connection and understanding in a way that rises above the fray of all that. So my hope for my children is that there's a higher application of the power of music to lead to a higher level of understanding. And by the way, when I say music, I want everyone to go, wait a second, music is a thousand things. It's dance, it's mathematics, it's science, it's the Fibonacci sequence, it's the cosmos, it's, it's every living being on the planet. Music is the babble of a brook. Music is air to fire, water to earth. Music is the cosmos, music is the ocean, music is the wind through the trees. Those are all forms of music and for me. I, I think nature is constantly playing music. So when I say music, I really mean the way we can hear and process everything around us. As I talk this through with you guys and to answer Randy's question and to create something that I've never played in my life, I'm, uh, by talking it through, I'm kind of getting a sense of what I want to do musically. And what I'm feeling is something that is a constant, one note. Because the one note is to be centered. So while you're playing one note, like a heartbeat, and the universe is doing things like climate change. Strange news. I'm going to stay centered and I'm going to stay on point irregardless of the random stuff that comes into my life. And then as I stay true to that, oops, something happened. I got a weird phone call, weird email. beautiful i love the um the idea of the um that g that just keeps keeps rolling forward i love that so that's a great conclusion to a really fun discussion where can folks find out more about life in tune and who should be looking for you for the things you're doing in the world thank you ken well, uh, to make it very easy, it's simply lifeintune.com. So uh, anybody, feel free to visit that. We also have, I have a team of people that work with me. We do, uh, the kinds of people that reach out to us regularly are in the 
virtual and live event space. So people, uh, if you can imagine uh, people that are doing all these different types of events, meeting planners, bureaus, private companies, and big, big corporate companies, and many times intimate organizations. We've done things where uh, we'll do things for a group of executives in a, you know, in Sun Valley or something like that, or on a boat, you know, uh, off the coast of Newport or something like that. Or sometimes it's Coca-Cola or sometimes it's the pet, it's the animal industry or the health industry. I, I did something for Purina. I've done things for IBM. I've done things for Google and Apple. I've done things for commercial retail companies. So the beauty of all this is that listening is a superpower that everyone needs to refresh on. And that seems to help all boats rise. That helps teams work better. That helps leaders be more clear. And that helps people be more productive with their timing. So my goal is that we help people lead, collaborate, and be more productive. And uh, that's what life in tune looks like. And we're here to serve. We're here to serve a higher level of understanding uh, amongst all cultures. Love that. And uh, as a reminder uh, to folks, the uh, the sound of that email when it hit that that uh, thunderous, uh, <laughs> the thunderous email. You can keep that note going. But I loved I loved um, that the the example of how to kind of weather whether it be a, a hurricane or that email. I thought that was a really nice contrast because it, it's amazing how that email can upend everything and matters of scale get all skewed in our in our lives. Yeah. And yet by staying centered, there's a great deal of optimism and hope. That was beautiful. Thank you. Randy, thank you for asking. And please never ask me to do don't I couldn't repeat what I just did. <laughs> I don't think I could that was a one shot deal, you know. But it was amazing, man. It was just um, thank you for, for for doing that. It was truly amazing. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having the 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 heart and the spirit to to put these ideas on and and give me the opportunity to share this with your audience, your listeners, your followers. I'm honored to be honored to be part of it, and we're all here to ha- we're all here to elevate each other. That's what we're here for. Let, Start off your day with that idea. I, I just put that out to everybody. If you start off your day with how do I serve, magic happens. It's a great place to end it. Thank you so much for talking to us, uh, Freddie Ravel, Life in Tune. And go check it out, everybody. All right. Thank you, Freddie. This was a remarkable experience for us and for me personally to have the the opportunity to talk with you and just talk and see where the discussion goes and to listen to those musical interludes along the way and how music is such a magical part of our lives from from birth to the grave. I especially loved thinking about the one moment you talked about where you talked with Madonna about the book Lush Life, right? Which which is sort of an insider thing and then about Kachow, the bass player and, and it led to this huge moment in your own life and and in her career which is that's that's the kind of listening that really opens up the entire world so it's been wonderful listening to you and and this interview and, and we really appreciate the time you spent if you guys would like to know more about dr kent and myself 
please go to thoughtpartnergroup.com, click on the free assessment link, do a little survey there, a little questionnaire, and then go back to the website and scroll through it and have a good look at us. We'd love to share with you what we do. If you want to really get creative with it, you know, you could dance in a circle as you're filling out the assessment on your laptop, or you could, um, you know, uh, play an instrument while doing it, or you could even, you know, draw a picture, something like that, while you're doing the assessment. No, but all kidding aside, um, we'd love to hear from you. And in terms of this podcast, we, we hope we will continue to talk to really interesting people and uh, see what happens when we, you know, uh, put them and us into a room together. It's sort of like uh, three wild animals. You never know what you're going to get. So to make sure you do get what we're delivering, um, subscribe. It's easy. Just press the button below. Maybe you want to leave a comment. We would love that too. So do what moves you. From an orangutan, a brown bear, and a jaguar, don't tap on the glass. Talk to you all tomorrow or the next day or whenever our next podcast is released.